Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand. Now it's International Week which of course means that there's no proper football for us to discuss with uh, Rangers in this sort of temporary hiatus. So what we tend to do during International Weeks, because we don't want to leave you without content just because there's no football, I mean that would make it even worse. So what we tend to do is ask our listeners for questions and then sit and answer them. And because we got so many this time, joining me, my name is David Edgar of course, joining me is one of our regular podders, the wonderful Mr Alex Staff. Hi David, how are you feeling today? I'm ready for this inquisition, Alex. Are you are you ready to to just put it all on the line? Absolutely, always, always. Every time I step up to <laughs> the, the touchline for hand hand, that's that's my attitude. Well, that's that's it exactly. It takes a certain type to be able to play. Um, for heart and hand and yes uh, we did ask as I say our listeners on Patreon if you're not one of them yet why not and we'll come to that later but we asked them to send us in some questions and as always they responded magnificently so let's get things started first up comes from John A. Kennedy who quite cleverly puts the A in there I think Alex to avoid us thinking that it's the bravest man in world sport Yes, Celtic Celtic's defensive coach. I mean, that's a fabulous job, isn't it? That that's like safety coordinator on the Titanic. That one, but something uh, along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's really not much to do there. No, no. Um, job. For, <laughs> so it's not a bad wage he's got. No, a job for life. I think. Um, John asks, what will it take to get a resolution to the BBC farce? It's obviously been noted down south with Dan Walker tweeting about it. So can we expect anything to change soon? Well. The rumour, and it is just that at this point, is that this has been something which has been noted and discussed at national level by the BBC and they have told BBC Scotland, now as I say I stress this is just rumours, they've told BBC Scotland that they want this resolved and they want it resolved by the end of the year. In the interim they are supporting the BBC BBC Scotland, the rest of the, the national uh, organisation are supporting them, but they want it resolved. That is the latest rumour. If Stevie G is being interviewed on the BBC in January, then that rumour will be true. If it's not, then you'll know what happened. In terms of what I think it will take to happen, it's quite simple. It's for the BBC to take up the tickets which they are allowed in the uh, in the press box. The BBC are not banned. Chris McLaughlin cannot attend. It's that simple. And Rangers cannot and should not give in on that point because there is a difference between we don't like what you're reporting and 
reporting stuff that is grossly inaccurate and slanted and offensive, and that's what Chris McLaughlin did. And Rangers did raise this point with the BBC on several occasions where they would point out examples of his reporting that they felt were unfair. Quite often the BBC would concede that they agreed with this, and then it would continue. So after a while Rangers just simply went, well, look, this guy comes in, tells lies about us, insults us, um, we're not going to let him in. You can send anybody else, but he can't come. I back Rangers on this one. The press Alex get very squealy about this, and I get it because you can take it to extremes. And you look at you just need to look at the current situation in America, for example. There's a difference between straight away just instantly saying everything that all the press write is wrong and lies and terrible, and saying we have a problem with this guy. Can we try and work it out? And then when it doesn't get worked out, to eventually say actually no, we're not going to grant him the privilege, which is what a press pass is, the privilege of access to our club. And people get very absolutist about it. They say, no, no, you either support freedom of the press or you're a Nazi and you're totally for bans. And it's, it's not bans. It's, you know, he's perfectly entitled to go and see Rangers elsewhere. Rangers just don't want to deal with the guy. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Not at all, no. There seems to be an attitude among the press and, and the UK in general. It's not just a Scottish thing that they have some sort of right to access to people, that they have some sort of divine right to... You know, I think it was Tom English recently who was criticising uh, Lindsay Sharp after she, she didn't do as well as she could have in a race and she'd blanked the media afterwards. And he was quite critical of her, um, you know, saying that you know, others have done this and she's, uh, she should have been available for media duties. No, that's not... The word duties there is fucking wrong. <laughs> like that's 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 the problem right there. You, you've no divine right to shove a, a microphone in an athlete's face after a race, a, a match, whatever it might be, and expect to get you know some sort of free answers out of it. And what you say and do has to have some sort of consequences, no matter what your role is. So um, yeah, it's, you can't. Anybody of a reasonable mind has to back a club on this one. The, the press who don't do so are really just feeding some. We know who they are aiming that story at, don't we? Um, and it's it's all a bit. To be honest, the, the the BBC reaction to it is a little bit childish now. It's starting to look a bit, you know, just stupid. Like they've dug in and they they they, they know it's a bit daft, but they can't. Yeah. They, they're really desperate not to be seen to be conceding. Um, and Rangers' position on this was justifiable. It wasn't entirely over the top. We didn't ban all the BBC. We, asked, we said that one person's press credentials were rescinded. It's really not that bad, a, you know, that big a deal, really. Um, and it was more than justifiable, as I say. And I don't quite understand why an organisation like the BBC can't just uh, move on. But I swear, if they just moved on from that, there's every chance he's back in by now. Yeah, but more than likely. The, the reaction that they had has meant that Rangers are going to say, no, nah, we can't let him back in now, what position you've put us in. So, uh, so yeah, um, I think it will be resolved, personally, though I don't know what your thoughts no, are. No, it will be, yeah, it will be. be resolved. The, the people with Sway at the BBC want it resolved and a little local difficulty will not be allowed because at the end of the day, you know, the BBC is a large organisation. The producers in the northeast of England, you know, where Stevie G is a god, want to interview him about Rangers and they don't care that Chris McLaughlin feels a wee bit upset that he's not allowed to go in and make up shite about Rangers anymore. So, yeah, it'll get it'll get sorted, absolutely. But uh, it's just a question of when. 
Um, but something will be negotiated, I would say. Next up, Fraser Kernahan. Are any of you guys worried that the European games might detract from our performances in the league? We've already seen more than a few examples of tired players and the effect that has on our ability to close out games. Alex, it would be... Um, I think it would be a little naive to suggest that it won't. Uh, extra matches are, of course, going to affect fitness. There's, there's just no way that they can't. It's going to mean that we need good squad management in the next couple of months. And then... In my opinion, it's going to need that we're going to need um, an influx of new blood in January, even just for that freshness. Potentially, yeah. Um, I think we've got a strong squad now. Uh, And by that, I mean, if we make four, five, six changes, I don't think you'll see a huge drop off in the quality on the pitch. Um, Which is, you know, that's a situation we've not been in in a long time. Uh, I think it depends upon your focus here, doesn't it? Every Rangers fan wants to win this league, of course we do. Uh, and the league is always, you know, that's the winner, isn't it? The, the, the phrase, that's your bread and butter, etc., etc. Et this European campaign is more than a bonus, though. This is this is something that uh, short term, medium term, long term is going to be massively beneficial. So, so yeah, if it means slightly less. Of a, of a performance in the league this season but we're a lot better getting into the next four or five seasons maybe we maybe we can swallow that um, it would be nice to think that you know once the strip starts selling and other things uh, get sorted that we'll have some money in January for players never an easy time to sign anybody as we know though uh, prices tend to ramp up so it doesn't have to be um, permanent though I mean I think you can go into the loan market in January and yeah, again, that, yeah. for, for me I think you're needing I don't think we'll need six or seven new signings I don't mean that but just a couple of bodies to come in that you can say right okay on match day he can go in and that means I can rest player X uh, or player Y yeah. but it's a problem I'd want to have uh, and financially it's a huge thing for us it has put our financial plan two years ahead easily because of the money that we'll get from the Europa League it's that simple and while in the short term i.e. this season it might have a a negative effect on a title challenge in terms of Rangers next kind of one to five years it's huge it's nothing but good so as I say it's a problem I would want and one I'd welcome and I would suspect the manager would say exactly the same as well we're playing Villarreal yeah, yeah, uh, um, a week on Thursday in the Europa League and that is a problem I want as simple as that exactly um, yeah, we've also got we've also been a bit lucky <laughs> with the way the fixtures are falling as well um, a lot of home games after the Europa games so not not trips away I mean if we get through in the cup we get a rearranged game so that we don't have to travel away to Easter roads after yeah. an away match, for example, so so that you know that, that, that those sort of things we we've kind of had a bit of luck there as well. So I, I, th- I think our squad's good enough to drag themselves through some home matches against some of the teams that we're facing, uh, you know, in the, in the games after the Europa League games. Yes, this is a problem that we won. Definitely, I would much rather this. We might not have won the league anyway, even without it. So I'd much rather this and not win the league than not win the league and not have this. You mm. know, exactly. No, totally. Fraser Cairns, what is your opinion on a possible move from Hamden to Murrayfield? Of course, there may be an announcement by the time you record. Well, there hasn't been by the time we record. 
Uh, look, I'm going to give a real politician's answer here. I can see the case for both sides. Hamden's not a great place to watch football. If anyone has been stuck behind the goals, you'll know exactly what I mean. The atmosphere's garbage. It looks shit. <laughs> I mean, let's not get away from it. For a showpiece stadium, it looks awful. Um, Murrayfield's a good place to watch football. Anyone who's been there will tell you that. But from a selfish point of view, it's in Edinburgh, and I live in very much on the west coast so Hamden's a lot easier for me there's also something about Hamden its name its history that I would be reluctant to just totally throw away very quickly but those who say Hamden's a bit of a shithole and Murrayfield is better I do find that a difficult argument to just to just come out and say well actually no that's not true because it clearly is true it is, um, and that if your argument's based purely on that, as you say, there's no deal, there's nothing you can counter that with. Um, even concerns about, and this is a valid concern. I can imagine fans of some clubs would, would moan about this, but it's been the last few seasons that it's happened. Well, you know, we're meeting that lot at Hamden uh, in a semi-final or a final, and you know that's happened now three seasons in a row, more than once. Uh, and a couple of the seasons, so, um, so, so that's you know it's a legitimate concern of having sixty odd thousand, seventy thousand Rangers and Celtic fans descended upon Murrayfield, coming from all over the place, much harder to police than it would be at Hamden. I, you know that that's a legitimate one. I'm with you in this one, David. Though I don't think you can, I don't think you can talk about football in, in such cold terms all the time, and. Tradition, the history of Hamden, the fact that if you took the Scotland games away from Hamden, if you took the cup semi-finals and finals away from Hamden, there's a pretty good chance Queen's Park as a club will die, and I wouldn't like that either. Mm. I wouldn't like to see that. It's a weird thing. I've no real love for them, but I would feel a bit of kind of a bit like a real part of football and history, wouldn't it? Mm. In my yeah, lifetime, just going, and I wouldn't want to see that. So, yeah, they're like so yeah, I'm they're like you. Radio Three. I've never used it, but I want it to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah, um, I know that sounds daft, but it's just uh, you know, I suppose uh, sentimentalist in me almost. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you when when this subject first came. You know, it's been kicking around for years. Let's be honest. But when it first became a real, uh, I think a, a real discussion, um, I had a little kind of debate via article on on one of the websites at the time. And yeah, I. I um, that was the angle I came from, from from a more emotional aspect. And just to have something that isn't... Because the fact is that if we take it away from Hamden, there's this suggestion that we'll just go to Murrayfield, it won't. Um, things will start to go to Celtic Park, some of it will come to Ibrox. And that starts to breed a bit of resentment, a bit of division, ideas of um, favouritism, all that sort of stuff. And Hamden sort of avoids all of that as well. At a time when Scottish football doesn't need any more of that, um, yeah, it's a shit stadium. I wish they could, you know, redevelop it again. That's not going to happen. They made an arse of it when they done yes, it up. They did, but uh, they made a complete arse of it. Let's be honest. Um, it was when you looked but, at a few years later when you looked at Cardiff and then you looked at Murrayfield and you thought it's not that hard, lads. I mean, look, no, and it's, it's not even that it's a well. Okay, they spent a bit more and they got a slightly better stadium. It's like shit. Look at that, you know. Aye, how much money they spent on it as well, and and it wasn't. I think the worst part is, you know, there's some countries you go to, every stadium's kind of get that sort of feel. You know, fans are miles away from the pitch and all that sort of stuff. Um, so you can sort of understand when when the rest of them follow that 
pattern, but we've got multiple examples in this country of how to do it right. And uh, they still manage to go and do that. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, I wish they could redevelop it, fix it that way. I don't see that happening. But even with all its flaws, I think I would rather we kept that than move it to Murrayfield or, you know, even if or, or a compromise, maybe start moving the games around. That's fucking friendly. On Friday night, should never have been a Hamden. No, um, agreed. That was a complete waste of time playing it there. Yes, to be really honest. In all, in all seriousness, given the attendance, that they would have been far better taking that to an Easter Road or even Rugby Park, selling it out, and having you know a much better atmosphere. Also, you give the local. I've always liked that. Spain have done that for years, where they take fixtures around the country. And uh, if you ever back, I mean, back when Spain had crucial qualifying ties, it's been a long time. It was always in Seville because the fans there were nuts, and it was such a weapon for them that if you were going to play yeah. Spain in a match that really mattered, then you wouldn't be playing them in the nice sedate big stadium. You'd be playing them at this really tight ground where the people were fanatical. And I always liked that. I thought it was was quite a clever idea. Um, Ross Monroe says Who's the biggest lightweight of the group? Technically me now I suppose because I don't drink So I suppose it would be me And that I never drink But in terms of handling Their booze uh, David Marshall cannot drink And shouldn't I think Alex <laughs> No I was actually thinking it's a rather apt question mm. uh, but, uh, but Yeah um, Probably. Um, there's a bit of a term, isn't it? When you say lightweight, you know, people say, oh, they're done after three pints or whatever. I'm a bit, I, I think it's slightly different from that. Scott's not much of a drinker, is he? No, Scott really. Scott gets drunk after four four drinks, and but I'll always say it, he stops after five. Yeah. That's the thing, always. Yeah. Scott, once he starts to feel pretty drunk, will wrap it. He's got the healthiest relationship with alcohol of any human I've ever met. My problem was, is I was quite tipsy after two or three pints, but I could drink until, you know, I I, I could drink for another day and a half uh, and stay at the same <laughs> level. That was my problem. Uh, you know, it wasn't that I couldn't drink, it was that I could. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think... Uh, I would, I would say Marshall, and uh, if yeah, uh, yeah, he might be able to pile more into himself, but that doesn't make him a better. Drinker. No, 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 no. <laughs> makes makes you a far, far worse one. Uh, and I speak from personal experience. Uh, Stevie MG ninety four asks, sorry to ask again, lads, but the match day experience, how can it be improved? I.e., food, music, entertainment, pre and half time. Well, the food, I'll start with Alex because I genuinely think that Rangers are on the cusp of. Pricing the food because of the quality of it out of being a big profit centre for them. It's really expensive now for what you get. To the point now that I know a lot, this is anecdotal, but I know a lot of Rangers fans and a lot of them tell me they wouldn't even dream of buying something in Ibrox. They'll buy it outside, they'll eat it at home, they'll eat afterwards. But it's now... They're saying, nah, it's just far too expensive for what you get and they just cannot, in good conscience. And these are people that want to buy from the club, but the food quality is awful. I mean, it really is piss poor. And then they're charging you a, a pretty decent amount of money for what you're getting now. 
And I do think that they are right on the line of people saying, nah, I'm not I'm not bothering with that. I don't know what your thoughts would be. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, um, the numbers seem to be fewer and fewer of people who are getting up 10 minutes before half time to go and join the queue and all that. They hardly need to do that anymore. Um, yeah, the pricing's horrendous, I think. The food... Food's a bit of a difficult one for events because it, that's that's the thing that we forget is that it's still a huge event, a whole match every time, you know, regardless of who's against or, or such like. But we're practically selling out every home game now, um, which makes it very difficult to cater for so many people, doesn't it? Um, the quality of the food needs to improve, I think. The range, the, well, you know, what's available certainly needs to improve. Uh, I don't use it that often at Ibrox, if I'm honest. Uh, but you know me and my boy, I'm, I have no problem. My boy's seventeen now, so it's not like you know I've got to feed the kid halfway through because he's bored at his skull or whatever. You know, um, thankfully, so it, it costs you a bloody fortune. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've the, spent the, enough on Rangers this past it, couple of months. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, I took my nephew to a game, um, the friendly against Wigan. Took him to a game because I try to take him whenever I can, especially with tickets being so scarce at the moment. And what do you want to eat? We got it. It was expensive, but you know, not being really don't need to be. I, I can afford it, so it's yeah, okay yeah. for me. But I do feel for people who, who maybe struggle a wee bit. But got him the food, and he didn't eat it because it was rotten. And I thought, well, that's him put off it for life. And he told everyone when he came home, "Oh, it was brilliant," but the food, you know, that was something that he brought up, and. You can see how spoilt we bastard we used to eat that shite. And, he, and you're right, but uh, it is something that needs looked at. And, and I know that this is maybe a daft comparison, but I don't see why it can't be done. I've been to American grounds where it's all franchised and the food is superb. I've been to events at the Hydro where the food is a lot better. Again, it's expensive, but it's at least nice. And I've been to events, uh, football matches in England well, the food is a lot better. So it can be done. That's the thing. I don't buy, well, this is, you know, what do you want us to do? I want you to do it better. And I think it's doable. Before, and uh, halftime entertainment, this is a tough one because, look, nobody goes to the game to see fireworks before it and, you know, dancing and all the rest of it. It's a tough one because, I'll be honest, before the game... I tend to just go in and you know get in just before it, have a read of my programme, and at half-time I use to go for a pee. So I'm not that bothered about it. But in terms of cranking it up a little, you do look again at England, they've got some great stuff for it. But that's at a cost, and is that priority for us just now? I don't know. No, it's probably not. Um, half-time entertainment, as you say, it's a difficult one because a lot of people... Hell, you can get Nyon Club legends coming out to do the draw and they get a smattering of applause because most people aren't even listening yeah. anymore. Um, so, so as you say, that's a difficult one. I'd be inclined to use that time personally to try and ramp up interest in other areas. And I don't mean you know, your spot the ball adverts or things like that, but maybe a bit better profiling of or youth teams, for example, or, or something like that. Try and build... Because, you know, right now, this is the best we felt as fans towards our team in terms of, you know, identity. We can see an identity in them now that 
that we feel as though we want to see, um, and maybe just ramping up some some of that feeling, some of that feeling, you know, with other elements outside the first team would maybe be something worth trying. If you knew you were going to the game and there was going to be highlights of the development teams match on the screen, because yeah. not everybody bothers with Rangers TV, um, or, you know, or things like that, or a profile about some promising under-17 that we've been hearing about for weeks or or whatever it might be. I'd maybe use it for that, but in honesty, I don't know. I can't think of anything. Hell, with the cheerleaders for a while, for a member, mm. um, most people couldn't even be bothered with that. And if mm. you can't appeal to a ground of, you know, thousands mm. and upon thousands of pervy football fans with cheerleaders, I really don't know what else you can do. Let us do it. We'll, yeah. we'll, do you know what? That was a great idea, yeah. actually. Yeah. Let us do it. Give we'll us a half-time rundown. Yeah. Yeah. Give us the microphones and we'll do it um, every week. A short heart-in-hand half-time podcast. Um, we would crowdfund for the legal fees and I think we'd be we'd be okay. <laughs> yes. Well, you can crowdfund for anything these days. Exactly, things. exactly. You can crowdfund for legal fees and even if it's totally inappropriate. So why not? Um, Mark Craig... He says, opinions on Umar Sadiq, will he cut it at Rangers? To me, a return to Roma in January is on the card. Well, look, standard answer, it's too early to say at the moment. And you would hope that once he settles, because it can take players time to settle, he's a very young man, that we'll begin to see what it was that prompted the decision to sign him. So it's too early yet to write him off. Hopefully, though, he'll start to make an impact soon because he is on loan. And at the end of the day, with loan players, you need them to hit the ground running. Now that Kyle Lafferty's there, though, it does appear to shove him down down the pecking order. So who knows? We're going to have a lot of games. And what I would say is if by the end of September going into October, we've hardly seen him, then, yeah, I think it's time to maybe begin to think, well, does the manager fancy him now he's had a, a look at him but at the moment I'm I'm going to jump onto that fence get splinters in my arse and say it's still too early to tell yeah as yeah that's, that's as you say the, the kind of that the obvious and correct answer but um, you know I think there's been plenty of discussions on this I, I, I would take it slightly wider two things firstly it doesn't really matter if he does settle or not because he's been one of 15 signings and the vast majority have settled. Um, is it fifteen or sixteen now? Actually, does McCauley make it sixteen? I can't even. I think remember. he's a fourteenth. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, if he's the only one that doesn't really do what he was brought in to do, then that's a, an outstanding return, and that's beyond any sort of expectations that managers would have if they had to sign that amount of players. Um, and there's a second thing that I think maybe quite useful to us, and possibly I'm. Um, stretching things a bit here. Steven Gerrard's a new manager. He's worked with youngsters before uh, as youth coach at Liverpool. He hasn't done it at first team level where he's had someone that he's brought in with certain expectations and they've not met them. This is his first experience of it. He needs to learn how to manage that. Mm. He needs to learn how to how to deal with that. Um, it's something that I'm sure that you know managers would talk about and how, they, how they've managed to do that over the years. Did he just move the guy on quickly? Did he try and let him settle for longer. Umar Sadiq has said himself in an interview, he struggled to adapt to the style of football here. Um, even in training, he's found it difficult. He feels as though he's starting to adapt now, but he's here for games, and if he isn't getting games, he'll probably return to Roma in January. He said that himself. Mm. 
Which makes if sense. That's the way it goes. Yeah, which yeah. makes sense. And if that's the case, he goes, someone else comes in. As Alex says, exactly. You make a lot of signings, some aren't going to work out. He might well be one of them. And if that's the case, that's okay. It can happen. We are never, ever, we never have had and we never will have a 100% success rate on signings. If it's yeah. a loan that and doesn't work out, that's okay. Send him on his way, get someone else in. I think it's also worth pointing out that sometimes you sign a player and you get something more out of someone you've already had. Of course, and the minute yeah, yeah, yeah. He walked in, Morelos started playing a bit better. So, mm. so you know, for all we know, Morelos has thought, well, I've got a genuine threat here, I better step up. Mm. And if that's, what if that's what we've got out of him, then great. That works for me as well. Yeah, totally. Declan Cairn says, you've sold out the Ibrox suite. How long until there's 50,000 strong watching a live show? <laughs> Declan, we've sold out the Ibrox suite twice. Um, for, for two <laughs> nights, September the 28th and uh, October the 5th, Heart and Hand Live at Ibrox. Two nights. Thank you to everyone who purchased a ticket. We really are grateful. Seriously, though, with Ryan Jack being booed by a crowd at Hamden as well as Petaudry, should we genuinely consider not allowing our players to be called up to the Scotland squad if this is how they're going to be treated? No, because players want to play international football and they should be given the opportunity to to do so, so no, it should never ever be a club policy. You might find that some players just think, I don't want to do it, you know, well, what's the point? That I can understand, but they should always be given the option to do so. The boon isn't everyone, because there's a lot of bears in the range of support, uh, but there is, you know, it, it, it's not just a football thing, it's a political thing, it's Scotland as a society, they're quite divided at the moment, and there are people who use us as a symbol of everything they don't like and they use us as a symbol of unionism and we they use us as basically the antithesis of everything they are. And then, you know, they, they talk about one of the, you know, the things that they're so proud of Scotland and their nationalism is their inclusiveness and yet they're excluding uh, quite a lot of people straight away because we disagree with them politically and I think that there's a dissonance right at the heart of their argument. But... Yeah, I mean, look, it's not for me. I don't follow international football. I don't follow Scotland. Things like that piss me off when I hear it. It's been a long time since I felt included uh, in the national team. But I do understand there's a lot of Bears who were there long before these people arrived on the scene. And Scotland is, is their nation and they're not giving it up. And that's entirely valid as well. So I think it's just down to the individual on how you view it and the individual player as well that would be my take Alex I think it's down to the individual player I, I come in a slightly biased and I'll admit that because I'm still a Scotland fan I haven't been able to switch that off I'm not judging anyone either way it's your choice uh, and my choice it, it's, it's just been one of those things where I've tried you know, I understand the reasons behind Rangers fans not liking the current Scotland setup. I get it I've tried but when they're playing, I still want to see them do well. It's just, it's just that. That's the way. That's the way it is. That's just the way I am. So, um, so I'm, I'm still a bit of a Scotland fan. I'll tell you what. I don't think, as we're recording this, um, and many of you maybe be listening to it while the game's on. I don't think Alan McGregor will get booed um, against Albania. I was out on Saturday night for a mixed crowd in terms of there's a couple of Celtic fans there, a Rangers fan, and a, you know, including myself, a Partick Thistle fan, a St Mirren fan. To a man, every one of them agreed. Alan McGregor is the best goalkeeper Scotland have got at the moment. Every one of them, and they, you know, apart from me and the other Rangers fan, they all fucking hears. So, um, you know, it's things like that. I think there's all the issues that you bring up are right. I think there's a little bit of pantomime behind it as well. Barryatta was getting booed on the night by the Scotland fans. Um, you know, so 
it's not as if it's just about you because he's a Rangers player. There's a little bit of pattern of mind behind it as well, I think. But, you know, mostly the reasons that you mentioned earlier. Ryan Jack will want to play for Scotland. Uh, Alan McGregor will want to play for Scotland. If they didn't, they'd have pulled out of the squad. And, and that's ultimately what we've got to think about. We shouldn't... But I say, if you were starting to deny Rangers players a chance to play for Scotland, would a promising youngster really want to sign for us? A promising Scottish youngster really think that we're the, the club to sign for if we're going to deny them chances to, to improve themselves in the international stage? It's kind of wider than just the fact that we as fans, and probably the club as well, have some concerns over it. Uh, as you say, it's really got to be down to the, the individual player. Lee Wallace seemed to pull out at one point, didn't he? And looked mm. as though he wasn't particularly up for it. Um, but Ryan Jack clearly must want to be there, or he wouldn't. He would have just pulled out the squad. It would have been a mysterious back injury, wouldn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, um, or something like that. Alan McGregor could have done the same. So, um, especially by you know neither of them being McGregor probably more so, but neither of them being nailed down starters. Uh, they could have easily pulled out and McLeish wouldn't have questioned it. So, so yeah, um, as you say, ultimately down to the player, much as much the same as it is down to the individual if we're going to support Scotland or not. Andrew Rundle says, who do you think will be our best player this season and do you think we will win the league? Our best player this season will be Conor Goldson and yes, I do. Um, I admit, I always do, so I'm maybe not the best guide in that, but yes, I do. Alex? Um, I've had to change this because I thought our player of the year would be Jamie Murphy but obviously that's when uh, it tits up Um, player of the season Goldson's a good shout only person I can see beating him to it if he stays fit for the rest of the season is Hart and Hanzo and Lasana Koulibaly will we win the league this season God I hope I'm wrong about this I don't think we will Uh, but obviously like yourself David uh, I'm not conceding that shit until until it's absolutely done. Chris asks, what's the furthest you've ever taken your natural bias for a Rangers player against all available evidence? For example, I still firmly believe when Dorans comes back, he'll be sitting at the top of our midfield, scoring and setting up goals for fun. But this rock-hard belief cannot really be backed up by anything he's done in re- recent years. Also, the inverse, I remember having to grudgingly admit Kenny Miller was quite good, eventually. Colin West... <laughs> So here's one going way back, uh, Colin West. I just loved Colin West and I decided he was going to be brilliant and he got injured after about six minutes of his Rangers career. That was about two games in. And then only came back towards the end of the season and then was sold soon after and I was raging because I thought he was going to be an absolute superstar for us based on absolutely nothing at all. But uh, yeah, that, that was one for me in terms of... He is going to be brilliant, and I was wrong. <laughs> I can now hear quite a few people shouting at me. Um, I've got a few of these, uh, most recent being Carlos Pena. Um, but probably the one that I've been given the most stick for over the years is Velichka. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, not Velichka. Not Velichka. Sorry, I've got mixed up between my, my crazy, shitey heart signings. Zaliukas. Sally, you um, no, that's worse. You don't get a laugh for that. I mean, oh, I hated that. I pick. was, I hated convinced Zaliukis would be a good signing for us, especially at the level we were at. And then it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that he chucked it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, you know, he chucked yeah. it. He gave up um, because he had the ability, but he wasn't interested anymore. But you know, because I'm um, stupid, optimist, stubborn bastard, I wasn't willing to give up on it until he was pretty much gone. <laughs> 
guys that you didn't like maybe previous to signing for whatever reason and were unimpressed perhaps by the signing that after we were we went do you know what yeah I get it Marvin Andrews that's a good I one was yeah. firmly against the Marvin Andrews signing I thought it was a complete waste of time um, and was a sign of like I was starting to have some concerns at that point about you know the sort of team that we were building the style of team that we were building I loved McLeish when he first came in because he played such a cracky I mean he was the one that brought Loving Kranz in and it made such a difference to the dyna- how dynamic we were going forward and you know I loved all that and then he seemed to change into this kind of you know Martin O'Neill light sort of approach of Dado Puzzle wide left or Namucci wide left and you know Kyriakos and Andrews at the back who in terms of trying to control the ball combined wouldn't come close to any of the defenders that we've got now so mm. um, so yeah I was uh, uh, with Marvin Andrews I was just like I sat, you know, I can't believe we're signing him and blah blah and then not long into his Rangers career I thought uh, you know what I've got to just bite the bullet here yeah he's got his limitations but I kind of love the big guy <laughs> didn't dislike him as a signing because I didn't know anything about him but I had made my mind up on Fernando Rickson I thought he was rotten uh, because of his terrible first season with us and then he became, you know, far, far better. And I actually think he was a much better midfielder than he was a fullback. I don't think he had the positional sense as a fullback, but in midfield, when he has that outstanding season when we win the league, uh, I had to go not grudgingly, but because uh, I, I didn't dislike him. But I just I, I thought he wasn't a player at all, and I didn't rate him. I mean, I had him genuinely in the same boat as Conterman in disastrous signings, and he totally turned it round. So I think actually it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I think he was almost guilty by association with Conterman, wasn't he? Uh, to begin with, and Parkhead, the six two, the six two lingered for a long, long time. And yeah. the, the yeah. thing is that that season's so bad. We've just done it on the Advocate years on Patreon, and there are so many lows. And yeah, you're right. He just got. They were seen as a double. Yeah, a two disastrous signings that fucked up our defence. And they always played if they were fit because Advocat was very stubborn. But he hung on in there. And like I say, the re- the year we won the league, 2004-2005, Helicopter Sunday year, he played with some sublime skill and dig in that midfield area for us. He had a fantastic season. In fact, was one of the players of the year. So he, he turned my opinion around. Andrews was another one, yes. I was like, I can't believe we're signing him. He's just a big daddy. And you know he won a title and deserved to. So yeah. fair play to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just that. It was you know his attitude and that as well. I quite quite like that sort of thing. I think I've seen plenty of signings where the guy comes in with a bit of a reputation and you're quite excited by them and they they let you down. I don't think you see very often when when we sign someone who you just think instantly before they've even put pen and paper you just think what the fuck are we going for them for? Yeah. It's very rare that they turn that around in the eyes of the fans. Uh, there was many an example back in the Amy Cleach days, actually. Um, Eggy Oshenstad jumps straight to mind. I remember um, I remember Franny Jeffers just thinking that guy hasn't scored a goal since you know the early 80s, and unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that like, Oshenstad was bad. The ball would come to him and it would bounce off him and he looked awkward. Jeffers just didn't do anything. You know, you weren't aware he was on the field. It was bizarre. It was kind of like, 
he was just always that wee second too late to where the ball had been and he just didn't look like a footballer. Washington looked like a bad footballer and he didn't look like one at all. So Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so yeah, fun days. Was one of the very few. Yeah, fun times. Um, Michael James McLeod, uh who do you think the best signing has been so far? Value and potential. Who do you think has performed the best? What positions do you feel will need strengthened and potential January targets? And who's got the bigger wanger between you? Well, uh, I don't often pay a lot of attention to the uh, downstairs furniture of the other podders. Um, I reckon you'd be up there. You're quite tall. Just sheer physics would dictate that you should. You'd think that, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, it's all disappointingly average. Andy. Um, Andy. Andy carries himself like a guy who's got a huge cock. He does. Andy like, does. He's got that quiet, assured confidence. Mm-hmm. That comes that from no having matter what happens, he can just whip out that monster. What do you think of this bad um, boy? Uh, like he could whip yeah. it out and it hits on the table by going da boom boom boom. <laughs> exactly. You right. know, one of like, them. He, he, he carries himself that way, so so that's that, that's probably a good shout. James definitely uh, the smallest, I reckon. I don't know. Like he might be. Quietly packing. Uh, well, he's never had a woman to to kind of say, "Wow," or you know, the opposite. So <laughs> I'm not helping his case. Here. No, we, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. I'll get back to you on that, Michael. We've got a night out coming. It's in the last them all to to whip them out, and we'll, I'll I'll compare. Um, best signing so far. <laughs> now there have been a couple of ones that have shown up really well, and I think straight away Alan McGregor, obviously, um, has been brilliant. Katic and Goldson. Have been absolutely superb. Now, Goldson cost us a lot of money, three and a half million, but in modern terms, that's fuck all, especially for a centre back. Uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge Goldson fan, and I think he'll be terrific. I think Kel Lafferty at 400 grand is going to be a very important player for us, but the one I think will turn us a huge profit, and I'm not going to say Grej Day because we haven't seen him despite you know the stuff we've heard, I think we will make an awful lot of money on Borna Barisic. Um, if I had to think of who's going to make us the most cash, it's, it's actually is a, there's an argument for Barisic, although he's what, 25, 26 now, so, um, you know, a, little, a couple of years older, or a good few years older than Katic, for example, came in at the same sort of price. Yeah, and Katic, of course, is, Katic, of course, is a position that's quite valuable at the moment due to the death of good centre-halves, not yeah. just you know, in world football. So, possibly, I don't know, he's a Croatian, you know, he's Croatian international now, Alex. He is 25, but, you know, get two no, seasons out of him, time, sell him for 27. Yeah. You know, if we were looking to sell that guy, if he continues to develop the way he's developing, we're getting, you know, eight, nine, ten million for that guy for yeah. a signing who was one and a half. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, similar with Katic, the only reason I think... You mentioned Goldson there. Um, all, all the players that you mentioned have been impressive signings for us, you know, because it's a bit, a bit of a double barrel question there. Um, who do I think will make the most money? I actually think Goldson will, um, and it's simply because of his nationality. Good uh, point. English player tax. I, I, you know, that, that's the biggest market for us is to sell to England. Centre halves seem to do well, and you know, for, for getting big fees when it comes to Scottish. Uh, you know, teams signing from from players from Scotland. Sorry, tripped over that affair. But um, but yeah, that that seems to be a position that makes a lot of money, or certainly has over the years. And yeah, I think Goldson would snatch it just because, or because of these, because he's English. If he keeps impressing, if he does well in Europe, his 
stock will rise big time down there. Well, it's already quite high, yes, to be honest. Is. And he's got um, eyes on him and, because of Stephen Gerrard as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's got you know. I think that would be that would be the reason for that. But I do believe the likes of Katic, Barisic will, will make us some money. I'm very excited by Grejda, but as you say, we just don't know how he's going to settle yet. Um, yeah, all all very promising. Um, who's been the best signing of them so far? There's a question because um, the three that have come in at the back four mm-hmm. plus Alan McGregor. I know Arfield, some people think he started slowly, but he's going to be vital for us over the next couple of years. Um, just a shame it's not a permanent one yet, but Koulibaly might be. If we get Koulibaly permanent for a reasonable amount of money, that boy could be absolutely massive. And But yeah, I think at the moment, I'd probably say Shagger because having him behind him has really helped the two boys in front of him. I think the confidence oh, that definitely. he breeds. So definitely. I'm going to yeah. say him at the moment has been the best so far um, Graham Roy asks do you feel the club is finally going forward and should we be concerned at the fuck up with the kit deal in Sports Direct or is this just a one-off mistake I don't think it's a mistake I think it's more trying to extricate yourself from someone who is going to do absolutely everything in their power to make it as difficult as possible for you to do so and it's a legacy issue. It's a legacy of these disastrous deals that we've had in the past. And unfortunately, you can't just come out of these things as straightforwardly as you would like to do. It is really annoying. If anything like this ever happened again, yes, then you're right. But you would hope that this is a one-off. Are we moving forward? Absolutely, 100%. There's, there's no doubt about it. There's tangible evidence in the Champions League. There's the fact that the money that we've invested this summer, we would be able to make back for a change. You don't think we're going to have to free 15 players and sign 15 players next next summer. We have a manager who's said that on the record that he's here for four years. It's going to take him four years to put us right back on top as the number one club in Scotland. Yes, Tickets sold, everything. Rangers are moving in the right direction. I have no doubts whatsoever about that. Yeah, on and off the field. Um, added to everything that you've said, and I know there's only been four league games so far, so quite a small sample, but Rangers are clearly the youngest average age so far out of all the teams in the league for the players that they've used, um, which, when you consider the progress that we're making on the pitch, uh, is quite, quite encouraging. Um, even if if the summer consists of us not being able to keep any of the loan players and having to replace them, that would be the best summer we've had in a long time. Yes, uh, a long, long time. Um, Jesus, back to Walter, second spell, really. Uh, and yeah, we there's there's clear evidence that things are moving forward. The sports direct thing, maybe the club's been a little bit sly with that in terms of you know going and getting a good deal from elsewhere. Uh, which has forced Sports Direct to match that um, and if they've done it kind of behind their back slightly to to push this forward you know if Sports Direct give us exactly the same as, as JD were going to give us and that's who we end up having to use for a year or two years or whatever as long as the club's making good money out of it it's just the way that it goes I guess um, we could have been looking at another four or five years of absolutely nothing yeah. so uh, that's huge steps forward, regardless of how much it's cost us, regardless of the information not being fully available to the fans. 
And I get the frustrations behind both of those, but just don't forget where we've came from in this regard. That's uh, there's been significant progress there. Um, yeah, there's, there's good reasons to be excited by things on and off the field at Rangers right now. We still have a lot to sort out. We're still in that kind of pro, uh, process, but uh, but yes, we're finally seeing some tangible evidence of of what's been done, and that's uh, the first time for for a long time. So even even if you get back to you know pre-admin, there was a lot of firefighting being done then because money was a problem. Um, and Walter was overperforming with with what he was uh, kind of being asked to do. So, so yeah, for, for the first time in a long time, things feel as though they're moving forward in a nice direction. Um, so I don't think there's any real arguments against that, if I'm honest. This is the first Rangers have been financially stable this century. And if you want evidence That's for that, you just, you just need to go back to the fire sale of 2003 to tell you that it's yeah. been that long since Rangers have been financially stable. So, it's... You know, it's, it's not, thinking about that. Yeah, but, I mean, we, we were borrowing Peter to pay Paul, we were juggling, we were month to month, all of that from that era. So, yes, uh, at least now we know what we're doing, where we're going and what the plan is. Neo Geo 7 who do you think is the best bargain signing of the last 30 years? Cost very little for big reward. Alex, I'm going to put a caveat in there and say no free transfers, no Bosmans, because... No Bosmans, that, but... Yeah, that would make uh, it... Uh, we had to have paid a fee for them. And I'm going to name you three. Um, cool. John yep. Brown, 350 yes. grand from Dundee. I don't think anyone could say that the service we got out of him wasn't utterly fabulous. Peter Lovenkranz, 1.5 million. And... You just look at the big goals that he scored for us. And Nacho Novo, £400,000. Look at the amount of money he made for us with certain goals for four hundred grand. I mean, he, he got a goal that got us into the Champions League. He got, obviously, Fiorentina. They would be the three that I would say made huge impressions for a total spend of £2.2 million. That's difficult to beat. Um... <laughs> I was going to say this last 30 years, so would Ian Ferguson fall into that or was he just before that? It was just before, but I'll give you him. Um, given the service that he gave us over mm-hmm. the years. Um, That's a good one, yeah. I'm sure Stefan Kloss cost us about 400k, yeah? 700. 700. Kloss done an amazing job for us. Um, I know it wasn't quite the length of service of some that we've mentioned, but... Um, you know, when you consider the sort of what he gave us and, and, and that t- what that team gave us in terms of getting back in back some sort of uh, you know decent reputation in Europe again, um, he was probably the best bargain signing of Adikat's time. If you take away any free transfers, um, <laughs> it's slightly tainted by modern day prices, but uh, you know, uh, oh yeah, considering what we. Uh, we paid for Brian Lowe dropping what we got. Yes, <laughs> um, that's a good point. Two million. It's uh, slightly tainted, as I say, by the, by the modern day prices, but you know they were starting to ramp up. Then we got a bargain, um, and you know, take away statistics numbers. It wasn't just about that. The Lowe drop, what what he gave us in terms of just the sheer joy um, of watching him play, uh, and the memories for those who who've seen him in a Rangers shot. That say uh, that was worth. A million times what we paid for them, let's be honest. Correct. 
correct. It was just a joy and a pleasure to be able to witness him. Stephen Ross, given the way the mainstream media is going and with the rising popularity of podcasts such as Heart and Hand, can you envisage a day when you're given more access to players or invited to attend press conferences? Well, Stephen, to be honest, I think if we asked the club for that, they would give us it. It's just I don't want it. So that is kind of a non a non issue at the moment because if we do that, then we're just the media. Then we are just part of the media. You can get that already. You just need to go online and you just need to go at the club and you will get interviews with players and you will get the press conferences in full now. So... I don't see the need for it, to be honest, and I don't want to be that. I don't. That's not who we are. We have a very clear idea of what we do, and I think it's working. So I, I wouldn't blame the club on this one and say, oh, well, you know, they should let you in. I think they would if we asked, but I'm not going to ask because I don't want to do it. So that's just a personal thing. That's not to say other podcasts couldn't. And it's not to say that as the traditional media continues to evaporate, that then we might say, well, actually, now there's a gap where this stuff used to exist that isn't there anymore. We will go in and fill it. So I'm not ruling it out forever. But right now, no, I don't want to do it. So, No, um, it's a tricky one because I think when people ask this sort of thing, what they are looking for is our level of discussion to be taken to, you know, uh, interviews with players or asking questions of the club, because we do it. We have the freedom to do that very differently. The the, the media don't have, and the club certainly don't have. Um, and we mentioned we talked about kind of you've just done that stuff in the Advocate years. I, I think people would would be hoping if you imagine taking us back to that time. There's David Edgar sitting with Dick Advocate just going, Bertcorn. I mean, why, why? Um, you know, we just wouldn't get that. You wouldn't get that freedom to do that if you worked um, no, you know, exactly. with players. There would be, a, you know, it would be sanitised. It would be edited in certain ways, not out of our control. The discussion wouldn't be as free as we'd hope. What we're doing just now with ex-players and and, and stuff like that, I think, is, is really good. Some of the stuff that's been revealed through that has been amazing. Um So, so yeah, I just feel as though you're right in this one. We could approach the club... But then you start to take away a lot of what it is that, that Heart and Hand offers. Um, and I would say that probably applies to other podcasts and, and other kind of mediums of this type as well. Yeah. Uh, it's becoming more popular because fans want that freedom. I don't think clubs are anywhere near ready to, to allow that to be uh, part of their approach to it as well. Just look at Arsenal TV. Uh, a good example yeah. for that. I think as well that it's... <laughs> I don't ask the club for anything. You know, in terms of these these live shows, they came to us, I wouldn't have gone to them. And I'm comfortable in that because it means I don't... I'm not reliant on them. And it means that I don't ask them for any favours. And they don't ask me for favours, and that, that's cool. That's the way I prefer it. I like operating outside the mainstream because it's just more fun and it's more free and I don't want to be part of the pack. I see us as slightly ahead of the pack and I don't want to get pulled back into it. So that's the reason why not. Not ruling it out forever, but right now, no. Um, 
Mark Patterson, as the team settles down, would you do an advocate and strip Tav as captain to allow him to concentrate on his game and give you an option to change right back and give it to Goldson or McGregor, who look more natural leaders? No, I would never strip a player of the captaincy during the season because I don't think it... I think the negative impact on the player is so much that... Because it's a public humiliation anyway, you look at it, that I don't think you gain anything from that, in all honesty. I think that you just shatter a player publicly and you need enormous strength of character. The reason Amoruso came back from it was because he was at Amoruso and he had this almost superhuman level of self-belief. I think a, a, a lesser or someone with lesser self-belief would struggle badly if you did that. I think we have leaders on the park already. Goldson and McGregor are two of them. And I don't think Stephen Gerrard wouldn't drop James Tavernier because he was a captain if he felt that it was going to... he'd more chance of winning a match with someone else in that right-back position. So me personally, no. I would never do it. I think, I'll be honest here, I think maybe giving it to Tavernier was a mistake. Um, because he didn't strike me uh, as an actual captain. Based on last season, last season I, I, I thought Tav would be a good captain, but after he'd been the captain for a while, I thought maybe not. He maybe is one of these guys that needs to concentrate on their own game. But the manager has done it now, and as far as I'm concerned, you live with that. Yeah, as, as, as we've spoken about before, um, it's difficult to see all the small elements that, that make a captain, you know, the stuff that he does off the park, even the way that he leads on the pitch, is he, you know, quite good at getting in someone's ear um, during the break of play, he had a little word with him. You see him do things, um, but you just don't, we, we don't see enough of it um, to know for certain, and he's just not a, you know, I suppose, the last captain that people seem to, to like their style of was probably like a Barry Ferguson or David Weir, who were a bit more, in fact, do you know what David Weir was the most vocal on the pitch but he had a presence that's he had a presence you know, um, he had and, that's, yeah. that's the thing I think that fans look to and remember a lot of us grew up Rangers captain run was Terry Butcher Richard Goff you know yeah. that is even Ben Ammo it, that gives you sets in your mind the idea of what a leader is and that's why I think Goldson to me Absolutely, McGregor is naturally you can see that, but I just don't like goalkeepers as captain because who organises an attacking free kick? What if there's an argument about a penalty at the other end? You know, it, it just practically yeah. practical matters. So I like a centre half because a centre half as well can sit there and see the whole game in front of him, and if he is a leader, should be able to say, "You need to do this, you need to do that." I'm sitting here watching this, and this is what's happening. So I like a centre back doing it. But as you say, we don't know what James Tavernier is like in the dressing room. Stephen Gerrard does. And he thought he saw stuff in him to give him the captaincy. And I trust him. So if he's happy with, with James Tavernier as captain, who, by the way, is a thoroughly, thoroughly good human being, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that, as I say, I've said this many times before, I think we make a bit too much of it. Um, the captaincy in general, um, it's a you know a British football thing but, seems to be spoken about a lot. But my more. argument against that is because of that, that makes it a thing. Because it does. because yeah, know, it's it a does, thing it does, to, but, um, to people, because it matters to people, therefore it, it matters. The, yeah, the best teams, the, the most successful teams, tend to have more than one leader on the pitch. Anyway, Correct. Um, I remember when 
you're talking about Amaruso there, who was one of my favourite ever Rangers players, and a lot of that was his almost David David Edgar esque levels of self confidence. He was almost as self confident as you, David. Almost. Um, <laughs> um, and you're right when he, he gets stripped to the captaincy. I remember not long after that, it was one of the games against Celtic. He'd done his usual where he marked Sutton right out of the game, um, and it was Proven co commentating on Sky. And he said, Barry Ferguson might be the captain, but we all know who the leader of that Rangers team is. And, you know, that was the first time I kind of thought to myself, ah, yeah, you need more than just a guy with the armband on doing that sort of thing. And Amoroso was still willing to do it, even after everything that happened to him. Tavernier needs players around him able to do that. He was captain of a very... I, I don't like to slag players' attitude. You can, you can. The, the element... I think they earned it last season um, and he carries a brunt because he had the armband on but he could have been the greatest leader on the planet yes. and it wouldn't have made much of a difference no. in some of those games last season um, so so yes you need guys who can take that self-responsibility anyway if, if you've got a team of players who are saying well my captain never helped me then you've not got you've not got a good team no. it's really that simple so so yeah um, I, I understand the focus on it as I say like it's, it's one of those things in British football I just think that uh, from a personal point of view I, I don't really I don't know enough and in truth I don't mind if, if Tavernier's one me on the armband but Goldson, McGregor and Arfield are the ones doing the most leadership in the pitch it's, it's, as long as someone's doing it it really doesn't matter this question actually applies to both of us, strangely enough, Alex. It's from RM, and he says, you've mentioned a few times that you don't have a driving licence. Is there a reason you never learned, and do you feel it's a hindrance to you as an older bear? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- there are a few reasons for it. Look, the first thing, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, but um, I, I don't think you need to be. My gran, my dad's sister... Obviously, my auntie and her husband and their two children died in a car accident when I was nine. So that's, you know, clearly left a mark. It would be silly to say that it didn't. It it, it affected me hugely as a child. So there's that. Then from about the age of 15, I was a really heavy drinker. I was. And I didn't trust myself not to drink and drive. And I I think, you know, my, my opinion of drink drivers is not very high for obvious reasons. So... I didn't trust myself when I was drunk not to do it and I genuinely therefore I thought it was safer never to learn and also I was drunk an awful lot so learning would have been would have been difficult since I got <laughs> since I got sober uh, I've thought about it and I've kind of half arsed tried at it but I don't know if there's now just a self-conscious thing with me and yes it is a pain in the arse at times I mean I'm used to public transport because it's all I've ever known but it would be a lot easier to just jump in a car and head somewhere absolutely but I don't know if now I'm just a wee bit too self-conscious about it and at this point I, I, I'm never saying ever but I probably wouldn't bet on me learning to drive Alex? Um, a few reasons for me first financial really um times that I did do lessons where I got some money together and and did that I hated it, I absolutely hated being behind the wheel Um, to the the extent where I paid for, I was paying for lessons as I was going along the first time and then I I left it for a few years, went back to it um, and the second time I paid for a block and I hated it so much that I didn't take half the lessons in the block, I just (laughs) didn't bother (laughs) didn't get my money back for that either just just didn't like it at all Um, and lastly, and this is going to sound a bit woe is me, but there's a truth behind this, my concentration levels 
and my ability to fall asleep at any point just for a wee 10 seconds, you know, whatever, 10, 20 seconds of just because I don't sleep very well at night. So during the day, if I'm doing something monotonous, you can guarantee my eyes will go. I, I, I would not be a safe driver. And there are more than enough unsafe drivers on the road without me adding to that. Um, all of this absolutely frustrates the life out of the girlfriend who, who does drive and, and she learned how to drive quite late by, by you know, start, uh, modern kind of standards. But uh, so she gets a bit annoyed by that. Um, a wee bit kind of frustrated that I seem to be quite uh, uh, resistant to it but I'm genuinely convinced I'd be a danger on the roads so I would rather just rely on public transport and, and do you know what else see if I knew how to drive I have piled on weight ridiculously bad over the last uh, couple of years if I wasn't doing the amount of walking that I do um, and had been able to drive everywhere I would be pfft, I'd be huge by now. <laughs> be That's, that, that is an advantage so of that it. Is another issue. If you walk as much as I do, I mean, my calves look great and I've got a dynamite arse. And it, <laughs> it, no, I do, I do. I've got a really nice arse and it would be, you know, just, I, I'd be reluctant to lose them. This is a good one to finish up on. It's from Aidan Wiley. He says, Should every signing be taken on the Founders' trail when joining the club? Since Walter's departure, too many players have worn the shirt but haven't understood what it truly means to represent Rangers. Hence, continuous heavy old firm defeats, a lack of silverware in recent years and few winners' leaders. Well, I think that we've had a lot of players who just weren't up to it. Um, the shirt was too big for them. It's as simple as that. And nothing would have changed that. They were overawed because they knew in their heart that I don't belong here. Um, and because of the strange circumstances Rangers found themselves in, they happened to have the shirt, but they never truly believed that they should be in it. And we didn't truly believe they should be in it. And we were all right. So there's that. I don't think it would hurt at all. I mean, it's 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 a few hours. And I think, I know for a fact that the players are shown when they sign a video about Rangers and the history of the club. So it is important to the club to get that across to them. That they are, And it's certainly, you've heard the manager speak, that it's important to him to get that stuff across to them. So no, I would have absolutely no problem at all with this. And you know the best thing about this current squad? I think they'd enjoy it. That's where this starts to, yes, I think a lot of this current squad would enjoy it. Um, I think that the slight fall down here that fans do, and I do this myself, every football fan I think does this, um, if you haven't been a professional footballer, it's very difficult to imagine how a professional footballer thinks. Um, because, you know, when I play football or when I go to watch football, the emotions there, there's, there's an, you know, some form of enjoyment, you're... You're paying for the privilege of, you know, making yourself look like an idiot for 90 minutes if you play amateur football and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a completely different thing to the life of a professional footballer. And I would imagine, um, this squad, as you say, it feels a bit different. I'd imagine some of our previous squads, if you tried to take them somewhere for three hours, two hours, 59 of that would have been spent on their phone. Agreed. So, um, and that's just you know that 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 that's the way that it is. It's it's like you know if someone tried to get me to to go and watch I don't know fears of oh God there's many many subjects I really don't care about um, that yeah might have enriched my life if I've, if I've spent any time on them but I just never will. So um, you know I, I can imagine what that's like. And as I say, for a pro footballer, you can see it in media duties. You can see it in all of that. If you even started to make that feel like something they had to do rather than something that they wanted to do, um, it becomes a bit of a difficult sell. Um, 
I don't think it would have made any difference to on-field performances either, personally. Um, you either have that self-pride or you don't. I don't think Andy Halliday is probably stauncher and more of a blue nose than I'll ever be. Um, but it doesn't mean that he was able to, you know, he wasn't able to draw upon some sort of magic reserve to to give the great performances and, and games where we needed that. Because, you know, I like Halliday. He's certainly this season proven to be a bit of an asset so far, but we know he's of limited ability, right? I mean, we know that. Um, I don't think it would have made a difference to, to certain performances or results. It would be nice. I don't think, as you say, it probably wouldn't do any harm, but I would rather it was more of a, less of a, you know, a requirement and more of something that the club found a way to, to almost convince the players that they want to find out a bit more about this sort of thing. Uh, I, I'm just not entirely not entirely convinced the psychology of a modern-day professional footballer is really affected by these sort of things as much as it would be, as much as we wish it would be. I've got one more, which I'll wrap up on, and you'll hear why in a minute. But before we do, just a few plugs. I'll just do one for my friend Ian McCall here. If you haven't been on the Founders Trail, then and you can go, obviously, if you're in Scotland, please do. You will love it. It's such a wonderful day. Founderstrail.co.uk. Learn all about the history of our club, and you'll be amazed. Um, stories of, of you know Bill Struth, stories of the four lads who had a dream, and stories of Buffalo Bill. And uh, it, it, it really takes your breath away just how amazing the origins of our club are. Uh, uh, incidentally, someone asked uh, later in the thread, um, why has it changed from 1873 to 1872? That's because the lads doing the Founders Trail went in their research, found lots of newspaper references to Rangers being formed in 1872, contemporaneous reports, so that's why um, it has been discovered clearly and unequivocally that Rangers were formed in 1872, so that's the reason for it. The Heart and Hand shop, you've asked for it, it's now open. Heartandhand.co.uk, go to shop and you will find uh, loads of tat, loads of tat. You want t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, key rings, all that shite. Useless, absolutely useless shite, but staunch useless shite. Go and have a look at it, heartandhand.co.uk, merchandise, it's in a section marked shop, there's also loads of great content on that side, loads of blogs and whatnot, please go along and visit. And of course our usual shout for Patreon, that's where these questions came from, uh, there's actually going to be a bonus show uh, on Patreon with uh, where Alex and I are going to do more questions and you get usually four shows per day it keeps you going through the international breaks just one ninety nine a month I mean I'm giving this stuff away here please go and have a look at it patreon.com forward slash heart and hand Alex thank you very much for coming and there was something you wanted to talk about today yes yes um, today as we're recording this on the Monday is National Suicide Prevention Day um, for those of you who have listened to, to ourselves through Patreon you'll know that we've done the, the mental health awareness pod um, and, and I myself have, have tried to, to kind of do a couple of podcasts and, and some articles on, on certain things as well related to, to mental health um, and, and the target audience that we have, which is uh, predominantly uh, white males of a certain age, you know, let's be honest. So, um, so yes, um, one of those things, I just wanted to bring that up today. Um, you never know what, what sort of issues people are having when they're listening it can be yourself, it can be someone you know if you've got any concerns. It's one of those days, um, I, if 
I'm honest, I, these these things sometimes feel a bit commercialised when they talk about awareness days, awareness weeks, or whatever. But they're still required. They're clearly still required. Um, and you know, there's plenty of help out there, and that even includes ourselves. Um, if you're a part of the Heart and Hand family, if you're part of the Rangers family, never feel as though you're alone in that respect because you can even just tweet me mm-hmm. at Strider, send me a direct message. You can do that to David. You can even even just ourselves if you just need someone to talk to or whatever it might be. Um, for for my podcast, it's uh, making strides on Patreon, but everything's free on there. There is a, an option to subscribe, but at the moment everything's free, so you don't have to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it's just because of, because of what day as I just thought it was worth mentioning, and also worth mentioning that you know it's part of the the Rangers family. And hell, even if you're not, um, we are here to listen. Absolutely, you don't need to just listen to us. Absolutely, and uh, it's a great thing Alice is doing. Patreon.com forward slash Making Strides. As you say, it's free, but if you've got a couple of quid you can donate to it, please do so. But I think it's it's vital for you to realise that we've you know helped and been helped by other members of the Rangers family. Neither me nor Alex are, are too proud to admit that. And if you just want to talk about something, pressure stuff going on in your life that you don't want to talk to, so because I know what it's like when you've got people around you and you don't really want to talk to them. Talk to us. You you kind of know us anyway. Um, Alex is on Twitter at Strider eighty. I am David at HeartandHand.co.uk. Chat to us, anything at all. If you're not feeling good, drink, whatever, drugs, let me know. I've been there. And uh, it's it's the old thing about, you know, when you're in a hole, if you've got somebody who knows the way out of it, that, that can be pretty effective. Just like to thank my guest today. He was wonderful, Mr Alex Staff. Thank you, David. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank our executive producer in London, Mr Mightley and Paul Myers. And then this last question comes from Graham and he says will you finish up with one of your inspirational speeches please and uh, I don't do them to order and it it's never a conscious thing I never sit down and say right what will I say on this I never do that for any podcast incidentally it's just that it comes from the heart the reason that it does is because I am so proud there is so much joy in what we do at heart and hand and the growth not only of our little community on heart and hand little it's it's three and a half thousand strong now it's because it it comes from something so good and so pure and that is rangers fc it comes from something that represents dignity and it comes from something that represents honor and it comes from something that represents heart and belief and it's most gratifying when i talk to other people because i know instantly that they feel that and i know instantly that they have that connection and it binds us across continents and across generations and across decades And I think that was why the last six years were so painful because we were being represented by people who did not get that, who did not understand what we are, who were not part of our community and didn't want to be because anyone can join our community. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you're from. It only matters that you get it, that you feel it because that's the key part, that you feel it. This is not always a rational thing. This is not always something you can organise your thoughts around. It's something that you feel in your heart every single day. And to some people, they'll hear that and they'll think, that's ludicrous, you're just talking about a football team. But that's okay, they don't get it, they don't need to. It's the people who do get it. 
and like me, like Alex, like everyone listening, if you do get it, if you feel that, then Rangers will be part of your life from the second you commence breathing to the second you stop. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I love this football club. I love every single person who subscribes to what that football club represents. It will always be the number one thing in my life. And look, I've had wives ask me about that and uh, I've told them the truth because it's as simple as just four words and they never change. Rangers till I die. Love you all. Speak to you again soon. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network.